0: Welcome to episode number 37 of The Thermal. I'm your host, Harry Tenkate. On this episode of The Thermal, pilots who make a difference. Beryl Hartley has been a cornerstone of gliding in Australia for almost 60 years, and has just been recognized with an FAI award. Liz Sparrow was one of the key movers and shakers behind last summer's highly successful Women's World Gliding Championships that were held in the UK. She lets us in on the recipe for success. And Elena Yakumchuk, a pilot from Ukraine who, with some help from her friends in the United Kingdom, was able to represent her nation at last summer's Women's World Gliding Championships. That's all on episode number 37 of The Thermal. The FAI Paul day Diploma is awarded to those who have served the cause of aviation in general, and sporting aviation in particular, by their work, initiative, devotion, or in other ways. Australia's Beryl Hartley was given this award for her, quote, dedication not only to gliding, but to air sports generally through her many hours of service on various committees, unquote. Beryl has been associated with the Australian gliding movement for almost 60 years. From the World Championships at Waikari in 1974 to the Junior World Gliding Championships at Narrowmine in 2015, she has been involved in international and national competitions, including serving as Australian team captain four times. She has also served the Gliding Federation of Australia as President, Vice President and Treasurer. Most Australian pilots will know her as the hard-working FAI certificates officer when submitting their badge claims. Many pilots from around the world will also know Beryl from the Narrow Mine Gliding Club in New South Wales, Australia. And that is where I reached Beryl Hartley. Hello, Beryl. Congratulations. Obviously a very well-deserved award for you.
1: Well, a very surprising one. I must say I was just so delighted.
0: Well you should be in and I imagine all the work you've done over the last what is it six decades for the for the gliding community it's it sounds like it was long overdue.
1: Well, you know i I sort of married into a gliding family in Australia
0: mm-hmm.
1: and uh, progressively, you know that became my passion and my family pretty much all around the world.
0: So t- tell me a bit about that. when y- you've been at this for six decades, I think, is that
2: right?
1: I don't know. I started to. I, I married in 1965 okay. into a gliding family in Wakery in South Australia.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, my father-in-law was a uh, world competition pilot. Uh, my new husband uh, was an Australian um, competition pilot uh, who became a, an Australian champion and then represented Australia. Uh, in a few times at uh, international competitions, so it was hard for me not to be involved.
0: Right, right. And did you start flying around the same time?
1: I did. Uh, well, in the very first beginning, not so much. Uh, you know, we were a young married couple with not a lot of money, and we could afford for one person to to you know continue to fly all the time. And uh, and I was having a family, right. um, so uh, I was more uh, a full-time crew person and just passionately involved in in what he was doing, right? Um, for those probably the first uh, ten years, right. right? Until my children right. were of an age, and uh, then we started a full-time gliding operation at uh, at Forbes, and then at narrowmind and when I came to Narromine, that's when I seriously started to do my uh, my own training.
0: Okay, I got gotcha. you. So you actually run the, the local uh, gliding operation as well?
1: Well, we ran uh, what was then a full-time gliding operation here at Narromine, which was the Narromine Soaring Centre. Mm-hmm. I was very fortunate in the timing of when I came into gliding. It was the golden years of our sport. You know, when I sat around the bar as a young person, um, the people who were the competition pilots were those chaps who had been uh, pilots during the Second World War, you know, the right, Spitfire right, pilot right, and all the rest right, of it. So, and, and all the instructors were all young ones, right, fascinated by, uh, by this great sport. And there was really only uh, GA power flying and gliding. There wasn't the proliferation of sport aviation that we have today.
0: So gliding was extremely popular. It probably had more people back then than it does now, right?
1: Oh, massively more. Hmm. I mean, the Gliding Federation of Australia had about 8,000 members. You know, now they've got about 2,500. But in those days, we didn't have paragliding, hang gliding, um, you know, the the powered parachutes, right, all this huge uh, trikes, you know, everything. I mean, there is just a mass now of uh, other disciplines in aviation,
2: right? Where young
1: people have the opportunity. And so I think there's more people who actually uh, are involved in sport aviation but they're spread across the disciplines.
0: Right, right, right. Everybody's got a chunk of the pie. Now, I, I, I've read that you were involved with the Australian team for 22 international contests, and that you even managed the, the Japanese team for a number of uh, contests. What uh, What are your fondest memories of doing that?
1: Oh, I love that. I love that travel. Right, I love going to those wonderful sites. And, of course, I made friends everywhere in the world. Right, with Mm -hmm. gliding people. And so that has been, you know, just fabulous, right? I was very fortunate to be able to fly in a couple of those fantastic sites, right? So if you think I've been I have not been to the continent in South America, right. But other than that I've pretty much been to uh, most of the sites in the world, right, where they have regular gliding operations.
0: Right, so Western Europe, the United States, New Zealand.
1: Yeah, I've been to the United States, um, uh, Hobbs and uh, Minden, and uh, a couple of times to Uvalde, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, with my mm-hmm. uh, with my second husband, uh, we we were in uh, Seattle because he worked with Qantas, so we were in the Boeing factory for a couple of seasons, right? So uh, I'm familiar with uh, with North America, and I'd love to travel there. I've been to the Scandinavian countries: Norway, uh, Finland, Sweden. Um, you know, a couple of times to Sweden, once to Finland World Comps, once to Norway World Comps. Huh. Uh, I've been to yep. G- Germany three or four times to the competitions there, to France, to the Czech Republic. right. But so, I've been very, very fortunate in uh, in my travels. Wonderful, wonderful sport to have a look at the country because you fly into a capital city and then you end up in a wonderful village somewhere, yeah. right, surrounded by gliding people.
0: Now, how did you wind up managing the Japanese team?
1: So, uh, Makoto Ichikawa is a Japanese pilot and when he was a young man, uh, he used to visit here now and mine very often and he uh, stayed with us. Uh, he's about the same age as my son, And so, in a sense, he became sort of family, Mm
2: -hmm. right?
1: And as I got older, um, the Australian team was a big team, uh, and I was very involved with administration at the GFA level, and so it actually became, it was a little bit more work than I had time for.
0: And and GFA being the Gliding Federation of Australia.
1: Exactly, and so Matt said to me, Look, just come uh, with me, right? And look after the, um, because he was pretty much a solo pilot flying with the Japanese team. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was very familiar with me being mother to him, yeah. right? Uh, so uh, it was easy for me to look after that Japanese team. And it was a mix of cultures. So sometimes when we went away, the Japanese team was Japanese people, French people. Uh, people from Poland. Uh, one year we had a young man from uh, from Hungary and me. Huh. Right? so huh. so you know, it worked extremely well
0: Now, Beryl, what is it about the gliding community at large? I mean, you just touched upon it a little bit, but what what is it that kept you involved and keeps you involved to this day?
1: I guess it's a passion for it and the people mm-hmm. right I mean, you know now um you know, when there's something on, people are emailing saying, "We're coming, Beryl. Can you organise this? Can you do this? Can you meet me there?" And 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 I can do that here. And is when I go to Europe, right? I say I'm coming. Right? Someone meets me at the airport. Right? I've got somewhere to stay. Right? I go to a field where they know me. And uh, you know, I mean, that's important for me. Yeah. Right? I am yeah. I am part of that uh, international gliding family. And uh, and I really loved it and enjoyed it.
0: I I can understand. I, I I haven't been involved as long as you have, but the number of decades I've been involved, I I, can, I totally get it.
1: Yeah, I mean, my last the last few years, um, I've been involved in getting world thing world events into Australia, but my real focus has been on the juniors. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we genuinely need to um, uh, look at, at the composition of what our sport is, and we need to put more energy into bringing juniors and women on board. I mm-hmm. uh, and I think we're doing uh, we're doing work, but are we doing enough? Well, that's always a challenge. Well, l- l- um, let me so... ask you
0: that: you as a woman yourself, and as a glider pilot, why is it that? women are so underrepresented
1: oh well mostly i don't know if you've traveled on the fields around the world did you really find facilities that welcomed women i mean you know they don't really uh you know it, it's an old man's thing in a sense right yeah um don't even have facilities on the airfield for women mm-hmm. all right and i mean that's a simple thing um women learn a, a little bit differently uh, in that, you, you, need, you know, they don't take well to being shouted at from the back seat,
2: no. right?
1: So, yeah. um, you know, we address those things now, right? We need more women instructors, right? And we're starting to get them, right? We need women to look after women as well. I mean, it's the same thing with juniors. If you have a peer group, right, if you have a group, Of like minded, enthusiastic people, right? That works very well. Mm -hmm. If you have one junior in a club of all old men, right, that's really hard. If you have one woman in a club of all old men, that's really hard, right? So building up those peer groups is very, very important. And I think that we need to understand how that works and we need to fund it, right? Mm -hmm. We need to put programs Mm -hmm. in place for that to happen. And
0: we are doing that. Well, it's an interesting project. I've spoken to a lot of uh, high-profile women glider pilots around the world, including Liz Sparrow, who's also going to be on this program, uh, who just uh, ran the women's gliding contest in uh, Husbands Ballsworth in the UK. She's really, really working hard at trying to get more women into the sport as well. And it's it's not an easy task.
1: I actually find uh, that I get very good feedback uh, from the women. I I was the first
3: female
1: uh, president of the Gliding Federation. Mm-hmm. And since that time, we have had two more,
2: right?
1: right? And our, the, the present uh, representative that goes to IGC is a woman. Mm-hmm. Our the, the, the chair of our sports department, which is all our competition, uh, is a woman, right? Um, they are both active glider pilots. Uh, Jenny Thompson, who is our, uh, our uh, head of our sport in Australia, is a tug pilot, an instructor, a competitor at World comps. right? So these are very, very talented women who are, are really competent in what they're doing.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: together, okay. we're all working, right, to make sure that we're building up this female participation. And the same applies with juniors. Right. right, we're really we're really set up an, a, a what we call the Joey Guide, right? Which is going um, on
0: right now, I understand.
1: Just finished, and our, our young instructor Thomas was uh, was there. This was his first comp, and he's just come back bubbling with enthusiasm, <laughs> yeah, which is just great. That's what we need, yeah. right? we are been fortunate to go away with our junior
2: teams.
0: No no uh, you've been at this a long time, as we both know, gliding can be dangerous, and after sixty years i I imagine you've lost friends along the way.
2: You
1: know, isn't that an extraordinary thing, but I really haven't
2: really? I mean,
1: you no, know, no I mean uh, close to me, I've lost one very good friend
2: mm-hmm.
1: in a glider, right
2: mm-hmm.
1: and and you know i look back and go like that was really a tragic accident right and so and i and that was just horrid right i mean i've been at places and i've been at competitions where pilots were killed right mm-hmm. in international competition mm-hmm. and that and that level of risk is is always there right uh, there's no doubt about that right how do you gauge that? Well, I mean, it's much safer in the air than on the road, right? Um, with good training, with good management, and with good rules that are in place and being adhered to, this need not be a dangerous
0: sport. Do you, do you think it's safer now than it was when you started out?
1: Oh, absolutely. Hmm. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, when we started out, we were such... When I was a young person, we were, you know... Totally ignorant of the rules and didn't care, Mm -hmm. right? And it was a much freer uh, sport in in those days, right? Um, You know, I wouldn't allow that sort of behaviour now.
0: We've (laughs) got much looking back at at the young barrel. You would uh, give her a talking to.
1: Oh my goodness! This is my little tale with this. When we were operating here, and we were all doing what we wanted to and being mavericks everywhere, we were all put into the room by a very senior and respected uh, instructor of the day who lined us up and said, listen, you lot, illegal is not a sick bird. <laughs> and we it was a message that uh, we had to take on board, right? And so I really... Um, Try to keep everyone as safe as we can be. We do good briefings. Our integrated training program, which our people won an award for this year, right, Mm. I believe is a a fantastic program, right? And I think here in Australia, we're definitely working towards keeping our people well-trained and very safe.
0: Right, right. Which is the way it should be everywhere, but it isn't always that way.
1: No, oh, I think that's true, but you know, it it need not be a, a, a dangerous sport. Yep. It need not be the, a one that's full of risk. It just needs right? to be
0: t- treated seriously and taken seriously.
1: Absolutely.
2: Yeah.
1: And and you know, I mean, all aviation uh, should be like that, right? And you know, it's, it, it, if we serious, if we take the training and the safety of our people to heart and we put programs in place to address that, right? Then I think we are fulfilling our duty of care to our members.
0: Now, Beryl, with all these different positions you've had with the Gliding Federation of Australia and working with the competition, te- the Australian uh, national team, what you've done so much volunteer work You've given way more than you're ever going to get back. What, why do you continue to do it? What What do you personally get out of doing all of this work?
1: I don't think I have given more than I get back.
2: Huh? Okay. I think
1: that's uh, I think that's what it's about.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Right. Um, you know, I'm extremely fortunate. Uh, if I look back and go, "Gosh, you know, look at the things I've done. How much fun it was." Um, the trips I've done, the people I've met, the adventures that I've had—I, I mean, I really, you know, my husband Arnie uh, is really, you know, should claim most of the benefit of it. Uh, while I was out there with a trailer on the back somewhere <laughs> in a, somewhere in the world, doing having my fun, and uh, he was at home, uh, you know, keeping the money coming in and keeping. Uh, our lives and dealing with children and grandchildren. So, you know, um, I'm very, very fortunate to have been well supported by my family.
0: Now, Barrett, what what are you doing at the moment? You you strike me as somebody with a very long to do list.
1: Oh, my goodness. Every day, (laughs) every day. Oh, yes. So um, what did I do? Let's think about what I did yesterday and what I'm doing today. So yesterday I was dealing with uh, assisting with funding for all the clubs in New South Wales in our recovery recovery from the COVID thing,
2: mm-hmm. and
1: that was very important. Um, I was signing off on a program that we've run for two years of the next generation of instructors, where we brought twenty eight new instructors uh, in our region, right on board, right. Um, I'm dealing with. The, the government in New South Wales for funding and support for the World Gliding Championships, which will be held here in November and December this next year. Huh. Uh, we are running coaching programs, summer camps, uh, all sorts of things in uh, January, February, and we will be running the Australian National Gliding Championships in March. Wow. That's what I'm doing. <laughs>
0: But Beryl, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you. And and as a glider pilot, I, I've got to thank you for all the work you've done and continue to do for the sport.
1: Well, you know, as I say, I enjoy it. I, in the wintertime this year, I hope my, my husband and I have a Cessna 180, and we say to people that's our four-wheel drive with wings. <laughs> and the last couple of years, we have not been able to jump into it and escape, right, Uh, because of the restrictions with the COVID. But uh, once we get through the gliding season, it's it's our dream this year to jump in the 180, pack in all our gear and disappear off into Australia for a few weeks again, right? Um, So we're looking forward to that.
0: Well, that sounds absolutely fabulous. Uh, Beryl, I hope to meet you at some point down the road. Uh, I will be coming back to Australia, and maybe that's rack and bag 1,000 kilometres at some point.
1: I should do that. We've got a big honour board up on the wall in our clubhouse. There's been more 1,000 kilometres flown out of mine than any other site in Australia.
0: Well, I hope I can add my name to it. Uh, Again, it's been a real pleasure, and congratulations on the award. And, uh, boy, it sounds like you really deserved it. So thanks again, Beryl.
1: Thank you very much.
0: Take care. Bye-bye.
1: Okay. Thank you, Henry.
0: Beryl Hartley spoke to me from the Narrowmind Gliding Club in New South Wales, Australia. Beryl was recently awarded the FAI Paul Tissandier Diploma for her many years of service to the Australian gliding movement. should have checked Skysight. I'm sure we've all heard from fellow pilots who've missed a great day because they didn't check the right weather app. Skysight has become the go-to weather application for glider pilots around the world. It's tailored specifically for glider pilots by crunching the last minute weather data for up-to-date forecasts that can't be beat. If you're interested in trying out Skysight to maximize your cross-country flying, use the voucher promo code THERMAL in capital letters and you'll get a 14-day free trial. The 2022 Women's World Gliding Championships took place this past summer in the United Kingdom at the Husband's Bosworth Aerodrome. The competition was a resounding success, not because of the weather, but because of the incredible leadership of a core group of volunteers who put it all together. Liz Sparrow is a founding member of Women Glide UK, and she was the competition director of last summer's contest. I've reached Liz at home in West Titherley, Hampshire, the United Kingdom.
4: Hello, Liz. Nice to talk to you again. Hello, Harry. It's uh, great to catch up with you again. Uh, yeah. Is it cold over there at the moment?
0: Yeah, my, minus 25, very much winter here.
4: <laughs> cool. we, we had minus 11 here last week, which uh, we were below freezing for about a week, and that's quite unusual for us for, uh, <clears throat> for December. But uh, you can tell I'm British because I'm talking about the weather.
0: <laughs> well, I, I did see some uh, photographs of people winch launching in the snow, which looked terrific, uh, especially for, you know, around this time of year.
4: Yep. Very nice. It was too.
0: So, one of the reasons I wanted to chat with you, of course, is the women's world gliding championships that you sort of ran last summer. It, by all accounts, it was a resounding success. Congratulations on that. How Thank did you it very all work much. Out?
4: Well, it, it it worked out. It worked out well because, um, as as you remember, we were obviously looking first and foremost to run a really good competition, but. We had much broader aims than that, which was about trying to uh, raise the profile of gliding and particularly uh, women gliding Uh, and sort of a a broader view also of making sure that young girls uh, saw that women can be pilots and engineers and things like that. Uh, And so uh, so. As well as running the competition, we had a whole load of public events alongside it. And uh, I think I said last time I was here that was the bit that scared me witless. So uh, It's bad enough running an international competition, but actually uh, trying to make it a public event. So your uh, your vision
0: from the get-go was different from other contests where it's about yeah making it great for the pilots. So, I mean, which you did obviously at the same time. But you had a, a bigger vision to make this contest more inclusive for the public and, I suppose, women in aviation.
4: Yes, yes, absolutely. Because, uh, you know, yes, it would have been nice just running the competition, uh, but it would have been such, such a wasted uh, opportunity. Mm-hmm. And and of course, the in, in international gliding terms, I mean, the UK for a very long time didn't host any internationals. And we sort of told, you know, told the world the weather was rubbish. And, and then we bid and held the Europeans at Lasham, which was just outrageously successful, had a really, really good uh, competition. Mm-hmm. And that sort of uh, remade the name of uh, UK gliding in international gliding circles. So, so that was sort of step one so with with running the women's worlds we we already knew that we would get interest from other nations mm-hmm, uh, and that uh, you know and Andy Davis had run a, a superb uh, competition and uh, i was involved in that so i'd learnt some of uh, how to do it the and what matters the trade. yeah indeed yeah, the- but but the, the the other bit you know was actually that wasn't really visible to the public mm-hmm. and so we wanted this time to make a difference to uh, so that people who didn't know about gliding before started to learn a bit about gliding mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. and actually before we get into that a little bit more on the contest itself it was a safe contest and the weather sort of cooperated
4: for you <laughs> so of course we've had outrageously good weather in the UK all the way through the summer and I was just watching the weather, the forecast, thinking it can't last. It can't last, and it lasted all the way through the practice week, and it lasted as far as day one.
2: Uh-huh. And
4: on day one, we—I mean, we were still getting these just silly, I think, um, three thousand meter cloud bases. So I mean, it's just—and uh, <clears throat> we'd been consistently having high cloud bases all summer—and um, we had great, you know, really fast racing conditions on day one. I think the the fastest pilots did. Uh, a little bit short of 150 kph on day one day two they did just over 50 kph we went from from the, the best weather you could possibly imagine to the worst weather you could possibly imagine. Uh, and we, we really didn't get anything very much in between. Hmm. But, of course, that was fine because um, they got to race in some racing conditions and they also got some really testing, really difficult conditions to fly in. But well, you got uh,
0: enough days in for a contest and that Oh, work. yes. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And um, and no damage, uh, everybody was safe. No,
4: in fact, no, no, no damage at all. Um, and... Uh, in spite of our complicated airspace and the high cloud bases, which make it uh, much easier to inadvertently infringe some airspace, you know, it, it all went very well and everyone uh, did, did really, really well. They flew good, safe, sensible flying um, so yeah, we were we were really really pleased. And you know, as a, as a director, one of the things you know, the, the first thing you're ticking off, you're ticking off the days until you've got a competition, a valid yes. competition in each class. Uh, so you know, we got to that fairly quickly, thank goodness. Uh, but the other thing is, can we get to the end of the week with with no no accidents, no incidents, no That's any... always
0: tickling away in the back of your brain, hoping fingers
4: crossed. Uh, always, always, yeah. always, because you know, you can try as hard as you can, and we we had a really good focus. We on uh, safety, we had briefings um, picking up different things about safety, not just beating everybody, you will be safe sort mm-hmm, of thing but, mm-hmm. but showing examples and uh, and using trace analysis to say look this is what happened um, let's not do this again. let's talk about how the, how, how this possible incident came right. about you yeah. know and, and that was so all experienced really
0: pilots still learning at the contest.
4: Well, I think there's always, there's always, there's the great thing about gliding. There is always something to learn. Now, the
0: Ukrainian team, uh, before the contest, you were part of a fundraiser to get them over there. How did that work out?
4: Oh, that worked really well. Um, and uh, so we, we <coughs> raised some funds. We had two, two pilots uh, come over, Valentina, who we knew of old, and uh, Alina, who'd not flown in the Worlds before and uh, they came over and um, one one of the uh, we we lent them gliders to fly we fundraise to cover all of their costs basically wow, uh, that's so uh, and uh, and i think that, you know that was very much appreciated but just the the fact that they they were wanted and being loved by people i think was also very much uh, appreciated and one of the unexpected things about it what i didn't realize and, until he was over here that uh, um Valentina's crew was, in fact, Elena's husband, so they actually got to spend some time together that they wouldn't have done otherwise. Huh. So, so that was just lovely, and and what a great, great set of people they were. We we yep. loved seeing them.
0: Well, I'm hoping to catch up with Elena, uh, the other pilot, uh, on the podcast, uh, possibly in this show. I'll I'll see if I can get in touch with her. So.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Now, the, the contest, the way it was managed, you talked about setting different goals and having a bigger vision. But, for, you know, from volunteers that are looking after finance and flight safety, you combine all those things. But it was so successful. It sounds like it was almost a, a case study that MBA students should look at. What, what did you guys do that made the difference, you think?
4: Well... And, and I should just say it was exclusively run by volunteers. We, mm-hmm. didn't, uh, we didn't have, any, you know, everybody involved uh, for, for the whole period all the way through the incredibly long um, project set-up period, which, of course, lasted a year longer than we'd expected mm-hmm. because of COVID. COVID, right. um, yeah, COVID and, yeah. and then actually delivering it, everybody without exception uh, that were volunteers. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we, we couldn't have afforded to do it any other way. But uh, but you tapped into people as
0: well we, that weren't in the aviation world, right? You you wound up going well, yes. to women's groups and
4: expertise and that, right. areas. That's right. And and I think you know you said what what was the one thing that, that we could we we partnered with a lot of people. Um, so UK gliding in the past has sort of and UK aviation generally has sort of tended to be a little bit behind the fence. You know, people haven't been welcomed with open arms onto mm-hmm. airfields. Instead, there's big signs saying "Danger, Airfield," yeah, yeah. and uh, so so we wanted to change that. Uh, and so we we partnered with um, the local authority, the local government, very very uh, very successfully. Mm-hmm. But the way we did that was uh, early early on in the uh, in in the project, about a year before we started, we we got in touch with. Um, an uh, organisation called Inner Wheel, which is um, a charitable organisation, a bit like people will have heard of Rotary if they haven't heard of Inner Wheel. Um, and uh, and we had some incredible support from them. Um, um, and one lady in particular, Suzanne, who joined the core team and was an absolute powerhouse. Who She was a local, so she knew her way around the local council and uh, made all the contacts there. And, and that was really great because and did we get her in a glider? Oh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, and uh, <clears throat> and in fact, she has since joined the gliding club and she's officially their um, community liaison oh, person. Oh, fabulous. Because that was the thing that we, we discovered. Actually, you need somebody who... Because gliding clubs, of course, they have some locals, but they have quite a lot of people coming from quite distant parts. So by having... Um, Somebody who is just always been local, uh, who who knows some of the, uh, you know, how, how it all works locally. We were able to get very, very good uh, relationships with uh, the local council and some other local businesses um, that we just couldn't have done otherwise. Mm-hmm. And they made it, you know, between all of that that, that made it possible. We also nationally started working with uh, much more closely with uh, some engineering and aviation employers, um, with our civil aviation authorities and the regulators and so on. Um, and we really worked hard at the whole partnership aspect. And that obviously, you know, the, the main focus was on running the competition and so on to start with. But, but actually, that was step one in building and maintaining those relationships yeah. um, well not step one because gliding's been reasonable at talking to uh, people like the regulators it's been very mm-hmm. good at but uh, just building the the sort of wider uh, wider debate the wider relationship with with some of them as to right. as to what on earth gliding can give that's useful because gliding you know we we who glide are absolutely completely convinced and there's quite a lot of evidence that uh, you know gliding gives so many benefits in terms of life skills sure but it's still but, a mystery uh, to a lot of people yeah absolutely but uh, in, indeed and but that's that's the thing that uh, that we can if you like sell gliding mm-hmm, by mm-hmm. showing how how much youngsters that go gliding become self-reliant they become able to communicate to people across all ages and so on yeah. in in a way that uh kids that that don't that only meet other kids. Yeah, I've seen Good, it in my yeah. own
0: gliding club. The vast majority of the young people we get over there are socialised, self-disciplined, yeah. very focused, great young people. And um,
4: yeah, yeah, absolutely. And 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 that's exactly what uh, what employers want in the workforce. And particularly, uh, in, we we see that uh, lots of the the young people will go into STEM careers, um, mm-hmm. science and engineering Sorry, STEM stands for? Science, technology, engineering, and maths. There we go. So, yes, that may be, uh, may be a, a UK name. Right, um, all things but that sort I of, do well in, but there you go. <laughs>
0: oh,
4: oh, well, there you are. Yes, so I'm an engineer, so it's particularly dear to my heart. Yeah. And also, you know, it, it, undoubtedly, if we are trying to um, get towards gender parity on uh, pay and so on, mm-hmm. the if you like, the easy way to do it, is get women doing the the jobs that that to get paid more, Right. because we're never going to get the uh, the care caring type things paid the same amount as uh, technology jobs, are we? So yeah, crazy you know, that we're i still talking re-
0: about this in 2022, oh, but there you oh, go. Oh, I, you know, yes, different absolutely, but yeah,
4: yeah, in, indeed,
0: don't go there. <laughs> now, Liz, yesterday you you had a, a conference call with a bunch of your colleagues from the women's worlds competition on a lessons learned thing. Are there any yeah. specific lessons learned that you'd pass on to other contest organizers who are in the thick of it right now planning possibly for something this coming summer?
4: Well, yes, I, I think an, an international is a bit different to just running a national competition simply cuz there's sort of more infrastructure and things to do. And uh, we certainly uh, shared quite a lot of uh, quite a lot of thoughts uh, last night briefly. Um, And uh, but it's one of those things, you know. I picked up stuff from everybody else, and, and we all pass it on, and gradually the uh, the the body of knowledge gets out there. But mm-hmm. uh, my 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 suggestion to everybody, you know, is just uh, make sure you're engaging your volunteers properly, because they're the people that are going to deliver it for you.
2: Right,
0: right, absolutely. Now, Liz, here you're, you're usually in the cockpit. I mean, that's where you like to be. Um, I know you've flown in the the world uh, out in in Australia a number of years back. What what are your plans for twenty twenty three Is it get back
2: in
4: the or... yeah absolutely So uh, I'm I will be in the eighteen meter class at because uh, of course because of the change of timetable and everything else there is another women's worlds uh, next year and I'm uh, in the uh, UK team for that so uh, really looking forward to that so it's uh, and it's the the old firm of me and Ayala who uh, Ayala True Love who she and I have flown hundreds and hundreds of hours together but last time we were competing together that was in club class and uh, she's just just waiting to take uh, delivery of uh, a new 18 meter glider and so we're going to be very very busy training uh, this spring she's got a new glider to learn and I've got to get myself back uh, competition fit
0: that's exciting that's exciting
4: now, Looking forward to it. Looking forward to flying in uh, Spain, where I've uh, not flown in the north northern half of Spain and uh, should get uh, really nice conditions there, I should think.
0: Yeah, that sounds good to me as well. Now, Liz, before I let you go, you're one of these people that believes in community gliding clubs. You volunteer a lot. You're passionate about volunteering. And the, this Women's World competition that you helped organize – probably thousands of hours of your time you didn't get paid a penny for it why no. is giving up so much of your personal time and energy what do you get out of it what makes it worthwhile for you
4: we're slowly but surely making a difference Harry and it's as simple as that I mean for, <clears throat> I was quite amused when when at the closing ceremony um the the chair Terry the chair of uh, the gliding centre, the host club, Mm -hmm. said when Liz stood up in front of us uh, for three years, four years ago, whenever it was, and and told us the vision, we looked at her and said she's completely mad. (laughs) But, uh, you know, we've, I suppose, we've proved that you could do this, that you can do this. Mm -hmm. And out of it, there are a number of things that are very, yes, we spent a lot, a huge number of people, not just me, but a huge number of people spent a lot of time and we wasted a lot of time. But we've learned a lot of lessons, mm-hmm. and that's why we're really keen to pass them on in digested form. Don't but, waste but your time why doing do you do, this. What it why do you about? do it? When? because it makes a difference, okay? Because in the end, more people now know about gliding than did before, and specifically, if you had seen some of the little girls playing some mm-hmm. of the STEM games, and in particular, talking to uh, one of of my mates, and she's a uh, satellite systems designer for uh, British <coughs> Aerospace, and uh, and that she had like bits of uh, satellite on the, and and these little girls are sat on the table because they're not tall enough to look over uh-huh. it, and they've come away having had a great time and realizing that girls do this stuff, right. and that so matters, Harry. Yeah. It really, really matters to me. So I do it because of that, and well, that, you know, gliding's lovely. a great community that uh, that uh, needs us all to put stuff in. I'm yeah. lucky enough to have some time to put in and the uh, ability to uh, sort of deliver projects like this because yeah. it's what I do. So uh, why wouldn't I?
0: Well, Liz, Keeps look, me out the pub. Uh, it's people like you that make gliding the sport it is and and continue to make it better. So um, from you know the other side of the world, thank you very much for all the time you've put into this.
4: It's been almost, but not entirely, exclusively my pleasure. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Liz, we, we will be talking again soon in the future, probably from Spain when you're over there uh, in the contest.
4: Yep, okay. And Harry, a very, very Merry Christmas to you. And I hope you enjoy, because I know you've uh, moved to somewhere that looks awesome. Uh, have a great time there.
0: Thank you very much. You take care and Merry Christmas to you as well. Cheerio. Bye. Liz Sparrow was the competition director at last summer's Women's World Gliding Championships that were held at Husbands Bosworth. She spoke to me from West Titherley Hampshire, the United Kingdom. The Thermal Podcast is proud to support the made-in-Canada automated task scoring platform, Proving Grounds. Developed by a team from the QNIM Gliding Club in Alberta, it's designed to safely turn novice glider pilots into true cross-country soaring pilots, and it really works. Proving Grounds has proven hugely successful and is now in use in Canada, Europe, the United States, and New Zealand. Check out episode number fifteen of the Thermal, where I interviewed co-founder Patrick McMahon. For more information, go to their website, which is soaringtasks.com. That's soaringtasks.com. Earlier this year, Elena Yakumchuk, a glider pilot from Ukraine, was forced to flee the Russian invasion of her nation and find refuge in Germany. Unfortunately, as this year ends, the criminal actions of Russia continue and young men and women from both sides continue to die. With the war raging in Ukraine, gliding is just a memory for most Ukrainian glider pilots, but there was a silver lining. With the help of the organizers from the Women's World Gliding Championships, Elena and her flying colleague Valentina Toropova were provided with funding and gliders to fly the competition. I've reached Elena At her temporary home in berlin hello elena thanks for coming back on the podcast
3: hello harry thank you for inviting me again yeah now the the last
0: time we spoke you weren't even sure if you could afford to fly the world get there or even have your glider pilot's license sorted out i gather everything worked for you
3: yeah that's right it was huge uncertainty and Uh, Yeah, when I was thinking back to it and realizing how many people put efforts to make it happen, it's incredible, but it happened. So, I would really say that it was kind of a miracle.
0: Yeah, well, you and your your colleagues, so the two of you represented the Ukrainian team, right, at at the Worlds uh, in England this past summer?
3: Uh, Valentina and I, right, we were both uh, in uh, the world competition and and, uh, we were both flying in the club class. And uh, yeah, that worked really well for us.
0: Uh, I understand you were given local gliders as well?
3: Yeah, when I mentioned about uh, the help of uh, different help, which we received from different people, so on top of the fundraising, which was spectacular, and so many people contributed uh the british glider uh, pilots they uh, gave us uh, gliders uh, The local gliders uh, they were as what uh, uh, how to say it asw
0: okay yes, 20. yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a nice glider okay.
3: It is a nice glider. I just uh, stuck into pronunciation the name. Oh, don't worry. We all
0: understood you.
3: ASW-20. Thank you. So it's really a nice glider, very good uh, condition. And we were both flying the same type of gliders in the same class. So that was one thing. Then there were people who supported us with all the camping facilities and lots, lots of other organizational things that were still needed uh, during the championship like help with some towing with the car with some other instruments because we arrived just with uh, our um, cases of, by airplane so there was right. no possibility to really get prepared uh, for this and many many people in very details i would say in very unexpected moments were helping us during the whole championship for which I'm absolutely
0: thankful. Yeah, it's, and the fundraising campaign that was organized, we spoke to Liz Sparrow in the show earlier, and boy, they, it sounds like they did a fabulous job to get you guys all organized.
3: Right, that's right.
0: Now, how, uh, how was the flying and how did you do in the contest?
3: Well, uh, as we talked, so this was not just my first world championship. It was actually my first uh, competition and flying experience on the competition outside Ukraine. (laughs) Yeah, uh, so um, naturally, yes. Uh, My goal was there, not really about results, but in terms of the um, scores. My goal was to be there, to get involved, observe. Uh, get as much new experience as possible, Uh, on the other hand, do uh, the least possible things wrong, Mm -hmm. and of course, use this time to enjoy staying with my family and friends, because that was an additional bonus for it. So in this perspective, I would say yes, that I have achieved everything that I wanted.
0: Lovely. And, And you had a couple of land outs, I understand?
3: Yeah, I did. I did some other mistakes. Uh, actually, as I said, that flying in a different country, in a new airspace with uh, different, uh, then I used to fly uh, requirements which are okay and absolutely clear. But that also required some more practice, I would say, to talk mm-hmm. about some better results. Um, but yeah, so that's part of. Uh, the learning process that we all go through, and uh, I'm, again, happy that I could have done that. I had a few outlandings. They were all good. Uh, so England, by the way, is in August especially, is very good for such flying.
0: But it, it sounds like you had fun, though. That's the bottom line, right?
3: Absolutely.
0: Right. Now, I'm so glad that all worked out for you. Um And the fundraising and in light of everything that's happening back home in Ukraine, which was, you know, one of the reasons why this story was so important. How how are things for you? You know, well, you're in Germany now, but how is your family doing back in Ukraine? I mean, the war is still raging. What's what's happening for them?
3: So it's uh, not an exaggeration that living in Kyiv and in Ukraine is not easy in these days. Because as you are certainly uh, aware from the news, Russia is attacking regularly the critical infrastructure. So lots, lots of people, including my family, uh, are suffering from lack of electricity and uh, as a result of lack of mobile connection lack of water supply in the taps and uh, lack of heat sometimes so on the other hand our uh, engineers uh, electrical engineers and other stuff they do the best what they can but the more infrastructure is ruined the more difficult is to supply everything to the level as expected so it's uh, it happens that sometimes there is no electricity for a day or even two in some places. Mm-hmm. Yeah, people actually, what I can say, it's not easy. On the other hand, all my friends, they just keep saying that we will stand it. And that choosing without electricity or without Russia, they choose without Russia uh-huh. and their policy.
0: not I think the last time we spoke, isn't your husband still back in Ukraine?
3: Yeah, he is. Um, you know, uh, the biggest, I would say, outcome of participating in the world championship was that he was able to visit uh, UK as part of the national team of Ukraine, and we had a great time together, being like to, uh, back like to previous normal times, doing the things that we love. Uh, that we have, that you used to do during all, of our, li- all our life. So right. because men of fighting age there.
0: aren't allowed to leave the country, so you're yeah, it's wonderful and, that you two had some time together.
3: And he was the captain of our team ultimately, mm-hmm. and his support was essential. I would say it would be much, much more difficult without having uh, this support as well. But yes, he had to come back to Ukraine. He came back to Kiev. A good thing that uh, he keeps his job and it's even developing. So on the one hand, life doesn't stop. That's one important thing. And many businesses continue to operate uh, even under these circumstances. And it's just a matter of time. What
0: what does your husband do?
3: Uh, He's a software engineer and technical leader in one of the IT companies.
0: And is he involved with the war effort with on the tech side?
3: Uh, on the say again?
0: Is he involved in the war effort on the, on the tech's technical side?
3: Um, I would say not. Okay. Not directly. We are all uh, donating uh, as much as possible to all needs that appear. So that's definitely part of our contribution. Mm-hmm.
0: And the fellow glider pilots at your club back in in Ukraine, how are they doing?
3: Um, During this year, also, as we talked that our club uh, suffered a lot after um, fighting uh, in spring back in spring uh, in the near and close to the airfield and also out of the crash of the um, Russian jet fighter. So they did huge job in cleaning make bringing it back to order i know that they have started restructuring of or and reconstruction of some facilities uh repairing as possible the gliders that were damaged and they were busy in it most of the time during summer and the autumn just hoping to when the war is over to come back to normal as soon as it is possible right
0: but there's, no, there's no flying of course
3: of course we are the whole ukraine territory is not uh, open for flying
0: now I, I, the last time we spoke you mentioned about uh, there was a russian fighter that was shot down over the airfield and your hangars were damaged and i saw photographs of aircraft that were damaged i mean it it was significant i mean your club was badly hit
3: yeah, and that's what I'm saying. That now the focus of my club members is to get it back into order, in the to the extent possible at these days. What
0: a terrible story! I hope this terrible war ends uh, soon. What a terrible story for everybody.
3: Yep, everyone puts also huge efforts to to it. I mean, on any level, from the state level to the level of every individual.
0: Now, will you be going back to Ukraine at all in the next little while? Or are you going to be in Germany during the holidays?
3: Yeah, I have some other plans for the holidays, to be honest, I'm considering when it will be the best time for me to visit Ukraine for some time, for sure. Mm -hmm. This is probably one of the most dominating thoughts that I have in these days. Well,
0: Elena, thank you for uh, catching up with me and telling us about uh, your experience at the Worlds this summer and also how things are going for you uh, and your family back in Ukraine. Uh, like I said, we wish you all the best. So thank you and uh, Merry Christmas and we'll talk to you in the new year.
3: Thank you as well and Merry Christmas.
0: Elena Yakomchok spoke to me from Berlin. Elena was a member of the Ukrainian team at this past summer's Women's World Gliding Championships. That's it for episode number 37 of The Thermal. The show will be back again in the new year. Please put out the word to your gliding friends and get them to subscribe to The Thermal via their favorite podcast provider. I do this podcast for the benefit of glider pilots around the world. I don't make any money on this podcast. Finally, if you have any good interview ideas, please let me know. I can be reached at thethermalpodcast, all one word, at gmail.com. That's the thermal podcast at gmail.com. Thanks for centering the thermal podcast. See you next time. I'm Harry Tenkate. Fly safe.